Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to have you uh, uh, with us today. And um, if you're here with the first time, for the first time with us, uh, I'd just like to welcome you again. I know Pastor Aaron did already, but we're just glad you're here. You could be anywhere else, but you chose to be here. Um, Jim Del Campo, and uh, I'm the senior pastor here, and uh, I get to teach you today from God's Word. I've got to fix this chair here. Um, we're in the series called Belong, and in we have one more after today. And then we move to our first of the books that we'll be teaching on Sunday morning this year. We're going to start with Galatians. We're going to do Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians throughout the next 12 months. So those will be part of our Sunday morning uh, teaching. And we'll, we'll do a book, then a topical, then a book, then a topical. We'll, we'll go like that. And so I look forward to that. But to, two weeks ago, we, um, we started in this Belong series on White Church and then last week, we talked about why serve. And, you know, it's really a, a great blessing that, um, that last week, 76 of you went up to the board there and you grabbed a, a card to serve somewhere in the church. That's a really good thing. Now, let me tell you the greater thing. Of the 76, I think it was, 53 of you had never, who picked a card, had never served anywhere at New Beginnings before. And so that's a real good thing that you're stepping up and, and being part of this. And you might have served at other churches before, but it's your first time with us. So I really appreciate all those things. And just so if you're newer to the church, you know my heart, um, uh, I was, uh, I love the word of God and uh, I feel a very strong call to teach you God's word. So you know God's word because more and more, and it's always been this way since Genesis, since the creation, that the Word of God is always under attack. Has anyone ever noticed that? And we have the truth of God's Word, and I value that. Now, for those of you who, who might think, well, you're just a biased Christian, I go, I didn't grow up Christian, friends. Uh, I used to hate you people, okay? I, I did not like Christians. I didn't want to be around you people. Uh, everywhere I went, you people would show up there want to talk to me about this guy named Jesus, and you wouldn't leave me alone, whether I would go to Newport Beach or to Whittier Boulevard to cruise, wherever I went, you Christians would show up there. And it was just irritating. It was irrit But then you got me. And I, and I become one of you, He's re and 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 I become a Bible teacher, and I love the Word of God, and um, and, and I because as I read it more and more over forty, and how many of you have read it so much, but there's still so much more to glean from it? You ever notice that you just you never there's five of us, that's it, huh? In this whole boy, we're really doing our job here, but uh, but there's so much to glean out of this Bible, and I'm just appreciative uh, that we do have God's Word uh, for us to study. So. Today we're going to talk about why groups as we move through Belong series. And I want to start a little bit different. I want, we're going to eventually get to Deuteronomy 25, but right now I would like you first, I'd like you to turn to John chapter 1 in your Bibles, because I want you to see something that, I, you know, I, I didn't see this till I was listening to a scholar about maybe four years ago, and he pointed this out, and I was first upset with myself because I never saw it 
But secondly, I was like, wow, that's, that's really an interesting truth. And if you're in John chapter 1, it's New Testament gospel written by a real person named John, who was one of the 12 original disciples. Um, if you're in that book, now say I'm there. Okay, good. Now, in verse 1, watch this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. That's a powerful opening statement by John, who walked with Jesus, whom he writes later on in 1 John, whom we saw, we heard, and our hands handled him. He was real. We walked with him. But he begins by saying that there is God. But there, there's God. But there's a word, this word, and this word was with God. We know this word by definition. If we went to John 1 verse 14, we know the word becomes flesh and we know him as Jesus Christ, the God-man. So we know there's God, must be God the Father therefore, and we have Jesus who's God, but he's the Son. When you start putting that together now, you realize there's a plurality of persons, but there's only one God. Hold that thought for a second. If I went back to Genesis chapter 1, when God creates mankind, He says, God speaking, let us make man in our image. So now you find us, there's plurality. There's persons in the Godhead. If you jump to Isaiah, you find Isaiah listening to God's conversation, and God says, who will go for us? Plurality again of persons. But if you read on in Isaiah, in the fourth chapter in the 40s, you find repeatedly there's one God, one God, one God, one God, one God, one God, only one God. And yet you find all this us, and in John 1 you find the Word, who's Jesus, who's God, who's also with God. You start putting this all together, and you start to realize, especially with us New Testament believers, we know that there are three persons in the one Godhead, and that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have three persons, but one God. Now, somebody here is going to think, that makes no sense whatsoever. Explain that one to me, preacher. And I would tell you that I can't. I just have a peanut brain like you in comparison to God. There are some things I will not understand until I get to heaven and I know as I've been known. Any amens? But I'll give it to you another way. I would ask you, what is gravity? And you will tell me, well, it holds you down on earth. No, I didn't ask you what it does. I asked you what it is. There is not a person in the universe that can tell you what it actually is. Did you know that? But we trust it. We use it for our own benefit. And that's the same thing. I don't understand it. I don't understand three persons, one God. How could I possibly explain that? And yet this is what it stated. I can't explain it, but I will gladly enjoy the benefits of those three persons. Amen? 
Now, moving on into what I wanted to get to, so now you begin to realize if there's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the one Godhead, therefore God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God is a small group. He is a fellowship of people. That's what he is. He's got his own little small group fellowship. Are you following me so far? But here's where it gets deep, profound, and beyond imagination. Because at verse 12, if you put it up there, it says, but as many as received him. How many of you have given your life to Christ? You are a full-fledged follower of Jesus Christ. Raise your hand. I gotta know. Not everybody in this room. Only 70% of you then. Okay. Oh, I just need to know. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And here's the, the amazing point of this, is that if God is a small group fellowship of three people, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But if I put my faith in him, if I become a follower of Jesus Christ, I am now invited into that family of God as a son of God or a daughter of God. I join in the fellowship of God. Is that amazing or what? That you and I get to be in the fellowship of the eternal creator. Just the thought of that overwhelms us. That I could be in God's fellowship together with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why groups? There it is right there. Because God is a group. God is a fellowship of believers. And he's given us that, showing, I should say, he's showing us that for a pattern to follow. Why groups? I'm a movie guy. I hope you never get tired of that statement because I'll never stop saying it. One of my top five movies is Gladiator. How many have seen Gladiator? Okay, you guys are all really saved people then. But in Gladiator, I cannot believe that that movie came out 23 years ago. I know, huh? I was like 12. <laughs> I remember the Friday night I went to see it. It was the year 2000. It was in May, early May. It was about eight of us from New Beginnings went out on a Friday night for the later show, Mills Mall, the AMC Theater. We get there. One of the guys goes to Krispy Kreme, which is right there, right? And he gets a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. It was cooler weather. He had a jacket on. He put it under his jacket. Because we are Christian lawbreakers, is what we are. With the pastor as the ringleader. Do you have the donuts? Okay, good. We go in. We sit there. And we watch Gladiator. We open up the box. It was one of the greatest moments in the history of mankind. But there are so many great scenes in the movie. And one of the scenes that always stood out to me and will fit here is, do you remember when Maximus, who's the main character, and now he has been betrayed and he's sold now as a slave 
in the Roman Empire, of which there were about 30 million slaves in the Roman Empire. It was just so many of them in the Roman Empire. It, didn't be, it did not begin here, okay, guys? It began with Slavs, slavery, Slav, Slavics, way back, even further than that. Now, so he's standing there. Finally, he is ushered at that moment into the Colosseum because he's, he's fighting all these smaller, basic gigs of gladiators. And in the Colosseum, he doesn't know what's going to come out of the gates. And he's standing there with that ragtag band of fellow gladiators. And he, he says these words before the enemy comes out and the Colosseum is filled with spectators. He says, how many of you served in the military? And you hear these guys, I did, I did. One of the guys says, I served with you, and he names the place. Maximus says, good, you can help me. And then he says these words. Whatever comes out of these gates, we got to stick together. If we stay together, we survive. And he's right. On a physical level, that is so true. And those gates open up. And if you know the movie, I like to watch all the details of it as I'm watching it. You see Maximus and the, the group of guys, they collapse into a single unit. Maximus is calling out the orders. But there's a couple of people who run solo. And they're going to do what they want to do. And those guys who run solo, they get taken down. And they die. As it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. That if we run solo as Christians, we run the risk of being taken down spiritually. We run the risk of what the enemy can do to us because we think, I don't need anybody. I can walk by myself. You are kidding yourself. Christianity has never built upon a solo individual person walking through their life by themselves, not needing anyone else. We have been so deceived in the last so many years from COVID. And I even remember in 1985, 86, driving to Orange County for something on the radio, the prediction, not of Christians, but if somebody said, in the future, people will cocoon themselves so much. Boy, did that come to pass. Because we have started cocooning ourselves online, etc., etc. How many hated Zoom meetings? I couldn't stand them. You know why? I couldn't be funny in a Zoom meeting. It really bugged me, all right? Because I, when, no, I'll leave it alone. But, but we have cocooned ourselves. We, we need each other. Why groups? Because if we don't come together in smaller settings, we don't survive. We just don't make it. As God is a fellowship of people coming together, we are called to come together in fellowship as the body of Christ in different settings. So today we're going to look at that. We're going to take you back to a time about 3,500 plus, almost 3,500 years ago, where Moses is now reflecting. He, they're not living this at the moment back in Deuteronomy. You can turn to Deuteronomy 25. They're not living this. He's reflecting on it because now... They are about to go into the promised land. And he wants them to remember. He's taking them through all the little parts that happened as they were traveling through the desert. 
And he pulls out this one also and he shares it with them. This story, this piece of a larger story that happened earlier, how many remember when the battle was raging against the Amalekites and Joshua was leading the battle and Moses lifted up his hands? Remember that story? How many remember that one? Just so I know. And if you don't, that's okay. You're new to the Bible, new to this, yeah, you'll learn it. But as Moses lifted his hands up in worship to God, Israel would win the battle against the Amalekites. But Moses' arms got tired, and his arms would drop. And when his arms would drop, they would begin to lose the battle. Is that a picture of worship and spiritual uh, battles right there? You better believe it, how important worship is. And so what they did with Moses is they put big stones under his arms so he could rest his elbows there and keep his hands up. And in doing so, Joshua routs the Amalekites and they win the battle. Moses is going to take a fragment of that event and give us something that I think is very applicable to all of us as it pertains to why groups. So I've got three things I'm going to share with you today about why groups, but then on the third one, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to flip the script on us and spin it around a little bit. So let's pray and let's get into this. God, we are so thankful, grateful really, that you would look at us and invite us into your fellowship, that we could be part of you, that you, the creator of everything that we see, we look out at the stars at night, you hold it all together. That we could be part of your team. Thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, this one's for you. Now let me read here. Deuteronomy 25, 17, 18, and 19 state. Remember, is Moses, remember. He's telling you, remember when this happened. He says, remember what Amalek did to you along the way when you came out from Egypt. How he met you along the way and attacked you and attacked among you all the stragglers at your rear. When you were faint and weary, he did not fear God. Say, along the way. Say stragglers and say faint and weary. Those are the three issues today. Verse 19. Therefore, it shall come about when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your surrounding enemies in the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance to possess. You shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You must not forget. I'm going to give you three things a day. Why groups? Why important? Why small fellowship? And number one, because your group will walk with you. Your group walks with you. Now, let's go back to verse 18 again, and let me build this case and show you how this thing actually works. Would you guys all read it with me this time? One, two, three. How he met you along the way and attacked among you all the stragglers at your rear when you were faint and weary and he did not fear God. Now, the key thing I want to pull out first is that he makes a statement that you were attacked along the way. 
Now I want you to think about along the way. As you're walking, as you're traveling through that desert, on the way to that promised land, that here comes the enemy, and he's going to attack you along the way. I like the statement, and here's why I like it, because of the parallelism that I can draw from it. When you and I become a Christian, we come to Jesus who said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The enemy attacks us along the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So when I become a Christian, when I become a follower of Christ, follower, I'm stepping onto God's way. Are you following me? Are you following me? I used to walk, according to Ephesians 2, according to the course of this world, and it's crazy thinking. I used to walk that way, but then when I gave my life to Christ, I walk in the way of God, in the way of Jesus. Amen? Now, as I walk on Jesus' way, then he's the way and he's the truth. So now, if I truly, I'll be honest, if I'm truly a Christian, I'm going to have a deep hunger to know God's truth. Doesn't it make sense? Yes or no? It just makes sense. So I'm going to start reading this Bible, which is the truth. I'm going to start being taught the Word of God, the truth. I'm going to seek the truth because now I'm walking with God and I'm walking the truth. As I study this truth and learn this truth, now, wait, truth and life. As I put it into application, because it's one thing to read it, it's another thing to actually do it, correct? So now, I experience life. Not just physical, that's not physical life. It's abundant life. As I walk in God's word, in this truth, and I live it, I experience abundant life. There's so many ways that works, but it really parallels with Joshua when God tells Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night and be careful to do everything that's written in it. And then, and only then, will you make your way successful and prosperous. Get money out of your mind right now. It may happen that way because you'll start to get your finances the way God says to run them. But it comes in so many other ways. Anyone want peace in a marriage? Anyone want peace in their hearts? Absolutely. Anyone want relationships put back together? That's right. So we can walk in newness of life because we're on the way, learning the truth, putting the truth into practice, and now I have the life that God intended me to live in my life currently. Now, so how does that all put together? Now, as I walk in the truth, as I walk in Jesus' way, because remember, they start to get picked off while they're walking on the way. When you became a Christian, you switched teams. Didn't you? Yes or no? You switched teams. So please don't go back and wear the uniform of the old team. Okay? But you switched teams. But the enemy don't like that. There's many ways I can go with this. I'm going to give you this one way. So how does he attack me on the way as I'm walking with God? 
goes after my thinking. Has anyone ever noticed that? That the enemy wants to get into my head? Has anyone noticed that? He wants to play around. He thinks it's his playground. That's why Paul will tell the Corinthians, he said, look, I'm scared for you guys. Because as the serpent deceived Eve in her mind, her mind will be led astray by his craftiness. He was afraid the enemy's going to get in our heads. He's going to play around in there. He's going to get us to believe a lot of lies. If you are drinking the Kool-Aid of the culture, you have just lost your way. Because it's what God says. Look, I'm Mexican. It doesn't matter what my ethnicity says. It doesn't matter what my mom told me about things. There's some things that I realized she was wrong. Some things she was right. But no, that's wrong. Here's what God says. And you better rise up to that one because you will stand before Jesus one day as a follower. Okay? Okay. I didn't need any applause, but that was pretty weak, okay? I'm just joking. I'm joking. Now, so he plays in my head. I need people around me. Here's why. I've done, I don't do much anymore, but I've done, I've counseled so long in my life. Counsel people, and for whatever reason, they trust me. (laughs) And I listen. I listen to what people say. This one thing you have to learn to do is listen to what they say because people, if you listen to what they say, they'll say one thing here, but if you let them keep talking, they're going to hang themselves down here. And what I mean by that is they're going to say one thing there and then contradict themselves over here. And I listen for that because I'm listening for the lies that they believe. I'm just, that's all I'm listening for. And once I start to hear them, then I can start to help them because there's something, they got some bad chowder. Something's wrong in that particular area. Now, I will be honest and forthright with all of you. I'm a senior pastor, but I have gone to counseling three times in my lifetime as a pastor. Yes, I have. I've gotten, the last time I went was 2016. Because I just felt like I needed to talk. I needed to get some things out. I needed to do these things. Now, I, I understand that the counselor better be healthy enough to counsel. Yeah, or yes or no? Yeah, I understand that. So I better be healthy enough. Otherwise, I'm going to give you some bad chowder. So I better be healthy enough too. And I understand that. And I, I take that very seriously. But I understand Satan tries to get in our heads. He, he tries to get in there. Now, if you walk alone... He's going to feed you all kinds of things. And have you ever heard, have you ever heard a Christian say something and you're like, oh, that's not even biblical. But they think it's true. Ever heard that before? I hear that a lot. It's like this. Anyone ever remember, heard the name Ted Kaczynski? Okay, okay, now you'll know it by now. He's the Unabomber. Heard of the Unabomber? Sweatshirt guy, shades, remember that guy? Okay. Well, the Unabomber, I, I watched this miniseries on him. I don't know if you ever saw that miniseries, but it was really interesting because this guy was really smart. I mean, he was a college professor. But then he started going crazy in his head. He became a loner. And, and, and then, of course, he starts doing the mail bombs to people and blowing, and he writes that manifesto about everything. And the thing was, how they found him out was his sister-in-law read many things in the manifesto and she told her husband that's what your brother says word for word right there these are statements he makes and that's how they found him but when they found him he was living in this little little shack I think up in the state of Washington out in the middle of nowhere in the forest see he had so separated separated 
separated, separate. He was so alone. He was also alone with his thoughts. Is that healthy? You better not, better, no way. And so he got so alone in his head, he started getting all these false thoughts and the rest is history, man. Now, here, here's, here's how this works to try to get in perspective. How many of you still, you do it, you don't hire somebody, you still mow your lawn personally, you mow it. That's really pathetic, okay, right there. <laughs> it's like, it was the same in first service, man, okay. But praise the Lord, okay. Now, we, we mow our lawn, well, my wife mows the lawn. Um, uh, I got her self-propelled. Uh, okay. Um, I just love to get, get you guys upset about it. She enjoys it. She says it's part of her exercise routine. I go, any other exercises you want to do? No, but she does. And I, I did get her self-propelled because I'm a nice husband, you know. But you know, here's a question. For those who mow your lawns, why do you mow your lawn? What? To make it look, because if you don't mow it, what's going to happen to it? It's going to look, it's going to look bad. It's going to get overgrown. It's going to grow over the sidewalk. It's going to look really, really bad. Because you need an outside influence acting upon the lawn, manicuring it for it to stay right. Follow me? Because entropy comes into play. Entropy is the idea, that, and it's the truth, that things move from order to chaos. If you leave your lawn alone and just say, well, it'll go from order to chaos. That happens everywhere. You don't start combing your hair, put on the makeup, ladies. Chaos. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> Bad. That was but it was funny, huh? Okay. It goes from order to chaos. This is a principle in the universe, okay? Now, um, that's what happens to our minds. If we are not impacted in positive biblical ways with, by others and the word of God, our mind moves from biblical order to biblical chaos. Does that make sense? So we need other people walking with us because the enemy tries to play in here and we need to walk in biblical truth. Now, that's the first thing. Second thing is this. Why groups? They surround you. Now, let's put the verse back up there again and watch this. I want you to read it out loud with me. One, two, three. How he met you along the way and attacked among you all the stragglers at your rear when you were faint and weary and he did not fear God now now he's attacking specific people he calls them the what stragglers so now you got people as two million people are traveling the desert you got people that are straggling way in the back now you'd have to know that these Jewish stragglers they are actually part of one of the tribes of Israel. There's more than 12 because you got the two and a half tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. But they're part of this, but they're choosing by whatever, because they're faint and weak, but they're straggling back here. So they're by themselves, though the big crowd is up there, but they're by themselves. I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna straggle. Now the enemy goes after the stragglers. Loves the stragglers. Loves to go after the stragglers. And of course, 
you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm too strong for that. Okay, you keep telling yourself that because you're smarter than the enemy. It goes after stragglers. Now watch. Why groups? They surround you. Now watch Jesus. Now watch Jesus. Watch what happens. Matthew 26. Watch, watch. This is great. He says, Then the chief priests and the elders of the people were gathered together in the court of the high priest named Caiaphas. So all the spiritual leaders of the day, they got a meeting going on because they hate Jesus. He's threatening their power position. They are as corrupt as it gets and they want to get him out of the way because they're afraid of losing their position. What a shock, huh? So what do they do? They plotted together. This is a secret meeting, guys. They plot together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill. Now, seize, stealth, kill. Isn't that a parallel to the thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy us? Yes or no? Yes, it's a parallel. So that's what they're going to do to Jesus. That's what they're doing. But now watch. Here's what they say in the meeting. But they were saying, not during the festival. Otherwise, a riot might occur among the people. Whoa. What are they admitting out loud? If we go after Jesus during a festival, Jesus will be surrounded by people who care about him, huh? And if we go after Jesus when he's surrounded by people who care about him, what's going to break out? A riot. We'll have more trouble on our hands than we want, they're saying. A riot. So here's my question. If you stopped coming to church, if you just dropped out, something went haywire in your life, something went sideways, something you got sick, whatever, and you stopped coming, would a riot break out? Would anyone even know you're not even here? Would anyone say, hey, we're so-and-so, they're part of our group, and they're not, would anyone say that? That's a big deal. I've run into what I'm going to share next about four or five times. Remember, I'll tell you the first time I saw it. About 1995. The church was three years old. And somebody's son got sick and needed surgery. So they were having surgery in Orange County. I drove out there. I'm sitting in the waiting room with the family. And we're dialoguing, and, you know, we're Christians, so you're using the Jesus overtones, you know, praise the Lord, and stuff like that. There's another lady in there, not part of our group, there for somebody else. She hears us talking. She's a Christian. An angry one. Because, you know, there's none of those. <laughs> Quit giving Jesus a bad name, man. And she jumps in our conversation. And I remember this part of the conversation. She said, and she was not happy. She was angry. She goes, yeah, and I don't remember why, but she said, yeah, and I, I, I couldn't go to church anymore. Nobody called. Nobody cared. That church, nobody reached out. Nobody did anything. And my thought was this, but I didn't say it because this is not really my business. But I, and maybe I wasn't gutsy enough back then. But I thought to myself, did anybody in that church know you? 
Did you, do you serve anywhere in that church? Did you jump into a group anywhere? How often do you go? Once every three months? I'd like to know that. Because if, those, if that's the case, then you're angry for nothing. You should be angry at yourself. Because see, I've experienced that here. Somebody come back two years later and say, well, you know, this happened to me and nobody called, nobody reached out, nobody did this. And sometimes people slip through the cracks. We know we're not perfect, but there's times, many more times, they'll say that and I'm thinking, you were never involved in anything. You never served anywhere. You were never part of a group and you didn't even tell us you got sick. And now we have to be in a dysfunctional marriage and mind read? Anybody in a dysfunctional marriage? You should have known that already. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're mind reading now. That's right. Let's be dysfunctional. Yeah. Oh, did that hurt? Is that where I crossed the line right there? Okay, sorry. Um, but you see, there's nobody to surround some people because nobody knows. Nobody knows you. You're not part of any fellowship. You're not part of any smaller group. Nobody knows. So, but when you're in a group, when you're in tighter fellowship, my gosh, they're going to surround you. Do you remember, uh, those of you uh, who are older, uh, when President Reagan was shot? Anyone remember that moment? And then you, I saw it on the news. I was like three. And it was just... <laughs> I think I was like 25 or something like that. Um, but I remember watching it, and it was like, as soon as he shot, do you remember the Secret Service? Boom, they start swarming. Remember that? That's the truth. When you're in a group in a smaller setting and you're not around or something happens, your small group, boom! They jump in like Batman and Robin. They're going to swarm you, man. They're going to surround you. That's what they're just going to do. And that's what you want. Why groups? That's why. Now, point three. Now, this is where I'm going to flip the script on you. They strengthen you. Now, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to do something different, the opposite direction. Now, put the verse up again. Now let's read it one more time. Would you join me in reading it? Here we go. One, two, three. How he met you along the way and attacked among you all the stragglers at your rear when you were faint and weary. And he didn't fear God. The enemy don't fear God. No, I'm going to just go after you. I'm going to get you. Now notice they're faint and weary. They're not strong. They need to be strengthened. Now let me flip it now from needing to be in a group which you can get strengthened there. But let me flip it to the person leading the group, the strengthener of the group. Follow me? Okay. In Mark chapter 2, there's a Jesus event. It's a great one. I love, love this event. Mark is a book of um, spiritual warfare. The demonic enters in very quickly into the gospel of Mark. It's the second gospel in the New Testament. Um, but one day Jesus is teaching. And you know, he's a miracle worker, so people gather there when he was teaching. And he was such a great teacher. He was very simplistic. Very simplistic. And he told stories and illustrated God's great eternal truths in these stories. He was so good at it. And he's teaching in this house. And, and people are gathering around. Now, there's a man in the town, and he's paralyzed. He can't walk. So he can't walk to get to the house, but the healer's there. But I can't get there. 
But there's four guys. And these four guys are friends of the paralyzed man. And they make a decision and go, you know what? We got to get our buddy to Jesus. So they get a stretcher, makeshift. I don't know what they did specifically, but they put him on the stretcher. And they start to carry him. These four guys are carrying their buddy. I don't know how far they got to go, but they're taking time, effort, energy, and they're taking their buddy to Jesus. They get to the house and they encounter a huge problem. And what is the problem? That house is jam packed. It's jam packed. They can't get in. And don't think of houses like your house or my house. They're very small and it's packed. And they're sitting there, and you could say, they they could have said, well, we can't get in, but they don't do that. What they're going to do is they're going to make an adjustment. People who are most successful make adjustments when adjustments are needed. If you just stick to the same plan that doesn't work month after month and year after year, you will not get ahead in life. You've got to be able to adjust, which means you've got to be able to admit to yourself this isn't working, I'm doing it wrong. It's hard to admit, huh? But it's healthy. So they go, How we, we got to get our buddy Jesus. We got to get him in there because he's going to leave town. So they decide, they come up with an adjustment, a plan. Can you hear them talking and saying, I got a plan? What is it? He goes, Let's take him up on the roof and drop him through the roof. And the guy goes, Are you out of your mind? Are you kidding yourself? No, 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 it'll work, it'll work. And that's what they do. Now, my question is, how'd they get the guy on the roof? <laughs> right? How am I going to get, how'd they get him on the roof? Well, get your mind out of today's houses. These are smaller houses, and they have flat roofs. And they would sit up on these roofs in the cooler part of the day and dialogue with each other from roof to roof. Now, that doesn't solve how they got him up there. If you've ever watched any early Jesus time movies and see houses if they do it right you're going to see on the outside of the house you'll see steps going up the side of the house they're on the exterior of the wall of the house so knowing that's there now we know that that's how they got him up they took him up these stairs on the outside that must have been a chore in and of itself but they get him up on the top but that doesn't solve the problem yet does it because now you got a roof and so how are we going to, we're going to break through this roof. And man, they start banging away and banging away and breaking a hole through the roof. Now, can you imagine sitting in the house and things start to crumble and fall? In front? What's going, can you, what if you're the homeowner? Who's going to pay for this? This is, going to be, this is my house. We're heading into rainy season. Really? And so... They keep pounding away, and, and, they, and all of a sudden there's a hole. And look, the people, what's going on here? And they make a bigger hole and bigger hole. Then they make a big enough hole. And let's just, I guess two of them jumped in and said, Drop him or something. I got him. And they drop him down, they put him down, and they lay him right in front of Jesus. Here you go, Jesus. And Jesus. He looks at him and he says this. My son, 
Your sins are forgiven. If you're the paralyzed man, is that what you came for? Can you imagine the paralyzed man? Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. I go, really? That's not what I'm here for. I want to walk. I want to walk. When Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Remember those Pharisees that want to kill him? Now they're steaming. They're mad. And here's what they say. Only God can forgive sins. Yeah. Only God can. That's why Jesus forgave the sins. That's why he did that. Because he's God. And when they say only God can forgive sins, he says, okay. So that you may know, so that you may know that the Son of Man, meaning himself, has authority on earth to forgive sins. So that you know I have the power to forgive sins. Watch, says he says, I say to you, look at the paralyzed man, I say to you, rise, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk home. And that guy gets up. Get goosebumps at all? Gets up. He picks up the pallet. And he leaves. Can you imagine the crowd in there? <gasps> Whoa. Can you imagine later on in the afternoon? I was there. I saw it. And Jesus proves who he is. But here's what I want to point out. The four guys. They didn't need to be strengthened. They're the strengtheners. They're the strong ones in the group. And their buddy is the weak one. And these are the guys, they knew what to do when their buddy was in trouble. They knew to bring him to the only place that people should be brought, to Jesus. They knew that Jesus was the answer. I got to get him there. I got to get him there. You see, some of you join groups. Great, we need. But before we can join groups, we need the strengtheners, the people that run the groups. You strong ones that have been Christians for quite a while, and you could do some. See, you're the, the three points. You're the walkers, surrounders, and the strengtheners. And you know it. And you have those shepherd abilities and gifts that God put in you to lead groups. You're the ones who can carry the stretcher. You're the ones, man, you jump in. You're the secret service agents that jump in when somebody in your group is not going good. You, you, just, you, want, you just love to pray for those groups. You love to shepherd them. That's you. You have those gifts. God put them in you. Some of them are very underdeveloped, but they're there. And you got to use them. You got to develop them. Because there are people out there that need your strength to strengthen them, to shepherd them. We can talk groups all we want to, but we don't have the leaders to lead the groups, the strengtheners, then we never can have groups. You're putting the cart before the horse. And what I'm putting forth today in this message is. 
You gotta start using that gift of yours. You gotta start using that ability. Because people need you. They've needed you for a long time. When are you gonna use it? We're not, you're not a, you're not, you're not gonna be a Bible teacher. Get that out of your mind. You're gonna facilitate a group. You're gonna oversee these people, make sure they're okay. You're gonna do that. And you'll be trained in it. You don't have to be afraid. But we need the strengtheners before we need the ones coming into the groups. And you know that's logical, right? That makes perfect sense. And so as we move in this belong series, it makes sense now. Why church? Why serve? Why groups? And if we get the the strengtheners, then we can continue on in that. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I pray you move on hearts. People need people. We need those who walk, surround, and strengthen others. We need you, and you know who you are. There's not a lot of you, but there are plenty of you that fit that bill. Now, hold that thought. Let me get back to a bigger issue. You're here in church. I remember sitting in church. Gosh, 44 years ago. Coming to church, not wanting to be there invited, wishing I was anywhere else and I gave my life to Christ and I jumped on the way, the truth and life and boy I have never regretted it I have never regretted it it's the only thing that makes sense it's the only thing that saves me from hell I don't believe in hell, well you can say that all you want it doesn't matter what you say Jesus said it's real and he said it many times but here comes the love of God in the form of Jesus the God man goes to the cross carries your sins sheds his blood to forgive you of your sins sin is a big deal it must be um, erased forgiven but you must confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart you must acknowledge him as a savior ask him to forgive you of sins and only then does this transaction take place by the grace of God So if you've never placed your faith in Jesus and you'd like to, because you know it's the right thing now, good. Or maybe you backslid. You're a straggler. And you've been a straggler for a long time. Don't you just want to be the real deal now? Don't you want to quit playing hopscotch over things back and forth? Be double-minded? Don't you want to stop that? And just make a decision? Let's do it now because you're risking your eternity so if you'd like to place your faith in Christ or rededicate your life I'm going to ask you as a sign between you me and God to do this as a sign between you me and God I want you to open up your eyes look up at me right now I'm going to look back at you and when I when our eyes connect then you can close them but do it right now 
Now I'm going to say this prayer. And those who looked up at me, you're going to repeat it after me. Everyone here is going to repeat it with you. You must repeat it. But you also have to believe it. If you confess your, your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The writer Paul makes that statement. So you've got to believe it. You've got to believe that Jesus is the only God. He's the God-man. The only God there is. There's no other God. There's no other way. That he did come, and he did die, and he was buried, and he did rise from the dead. You've got to believe it. And we have eyewitnesses through his, in history that wrote down things to prove it. So with that said, I'm going to say the prayer now. Those who looked up at me, you repeat it. Everyone, please say it with them. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus. For dying for me. For taking my place. Forgive me of my sins. And I know I'm forgiven. Come into my life. Today I choose to follow you with my whole heart thank you for saving me now let me pray God I pray and I hope and I believe God that you have now made this transaction complete that your grace has now flooded their life that the spirit of God has now invaded their heart that they're a new creature in Christ the DNA is now there to walk in new life oh I pray for you friend Get into church, become a worshiper, read your Bible, get into Bible study, do all the things needed, get into a group. You got to do it. Otherwise, you become a straggler. Somebody picked off. Thank you, God, for your goodness to us because you are good. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Would you stand up with me, everybody? Now, don't run out because I got a few more things to say. If you're a strengthener, you know God has put that in you to be a leader of a small group. Come on, friends. Don't run out, out of sight, out of mind. Don't do that to God. You can go to the wall here in a small group leader, pick card, turn in, or you can go outside. We have a table out there. Nathan, my son, Nathan Del Campo, is out there. He heads up small groups. You can go talk to him too. Do it. Also, if you weren't here last week and you didn't pick up a card to serve somewhere, go pick one. Do we still need people to serve? And we will always need that. Do those things. You have physical offering, please drop it back there. We're going to keep this door closed so people can gather around here. If you need prayer for anything, our people in the corner, they're always here to pray for you. Take advantage of it. Don't walk alone. If you looked, at me, looked up at me for salvation, rededication, why don't you go talk to one of these people? Let them pray for you also. Don't walk alone. Don't walk alone. And with that said, oh, one more thing. Tonight, young adults, where do you meet at, Charlie? Right here. Young adults meet here tonight. Other than that, oh, no, I, I'm not going to forget. Okay. I forgot in first service. They really scolded me. It's really awful. They're a mean crowd. Okay. Here we go. Repeat after me. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you 
One more thing, there's no Tuesday night study. I have to be somewhere, so we'll skip a Tuesday. We'll be back a week from Tuesday. We started Joshua last week. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your day and a Labor Day tomorrow. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.